Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke this morning, the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Um, I want to read uh, uh, just a, a one passage of Scripture. I have a simple message for you today, but I'm praying that it's going to be life and freedom uh, to many in this room. If you haven't got a Bible, you can turn to a nearby Christian, or, 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 um, or, or the verses should come up on the screen as well uh, today. Luke chapter 1 and in verse 13. The Bible says, The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him. Can you help me say this name? You are to call him? Isn't that just a great out loud word? What a great name for a child right there. Pastor John, would you agree with me? Yeah. Pastor Becky obviously agrees with me. There are four books in the Bible called John. I'm just saying, God God clearly showed us his favorite name. Um, Verse 14, he will be a joy and a delight to you. It just keeps going doesn't it? Yeah, this emphasis of this name. Um, And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And I love this. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make a people prepared for the Lord. What an incredible promise. What an amazing prophecy. And in verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, And my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to to you and tell you this good news. Now you will be silent. And not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Sometimes the best thing you can say is nothing. Verse 19, just one more time. This is what I want to rally around today. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you. Could you say these words with me today? We're gonna start with I am Gabriel and we're gonna finish with speak to you. I'd like you to say them out loud together with me. Let's go. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you. 
Let's do it one more time. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you. God, illuminate your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have been a preacher for 30 years full time. In 30 years, I've had some great days. In 30 years, oh, you better believe I've had some bad days. And as someone who's been doing this for a long time, a passage of Scripture that I love to think about a little bit, one that just kind of makes me feel good on my bad days, is in Acts chapter 19. It's a story that centers around the seven sons of Sceva. Try saying that five times real fast out loud. The seven sons of Sceva. These seven sons of Sceva, their father is a priest. So in other words, they're growing up in ministry. And one day they're rolling down the street and they come upon a demon-possessed man. Now, they've heard about Jesus and they've heard about the Apostle Paul and heard that when they spoke to demons, that they were driven out of people. And so these young men decide, we're going to get in on this kind of action. We'd love to see this take place. This could be our gig. So the seven sons of Sceva roll up to a demon-possessed man, and they kind of probably put on that preacher-accented voice, you know what I mean? Got a little bit of a timber in their voice as they spoke, and they probably went something like this. Uh, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. And the Bible says that in response to their words, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. That the demon-possessed man looks up at the seven. There are seven young men, right? The seven sons of Sceva. And he says, I've heard, I know, Jesus I know. And I've heard about Paul, but who are you? Jesus, I know. I've heard about Paul, but who are you? And so he stands to his feet, this demoniac, beats up the seven sons of Sceva, strips off their clothes, my friends, and the seven sons of Sceva run through the church car park in nothing but their birthday suit. And if I'm ever having a bad day, I just stop and think about that story. I mean, when I was a youth pastor, I said some silly things. I preached some passage of scriptures wrongly when I was young. I've had to write an apology letter. I've certainly used the wrong word, thinking that it was the right word on more than one of occasion. But never in 30 years of ministry have I left the church car park in nothing but my birthday suit. My worst day is a lot better than their day. That is an epic fail. They summed up the courage. They went all in. They bravely attacked the problem. I mean, at least they got out of the boat. But they were soundly defeated because they had a shallow connection with God. What crazy words the demon spoke. What crazy words the demon articulated. Jesus I know. 
I've heard about Paul. There's chatter about him in the depths of hell. But who are you? You're out here trying to speak with authority, but you're missing the intimacy. The demon was literally saying about the seven sons of Sceva, you've never stood in the presence of God. In our reading today, there are two characters. One, Zechariah, a priest. The other, Gabriel, an angel. They have similar roles. But from two individuals with similar roles, we find completely different perspectives and completely different responses. So much is actually given us in our passage of Scripture about Zechariah. In fact, for homework, when you get home, you can go back and read the verses before. Because in verses 6 and 7, we learn even more about Zechariah. We learn about him in the Scripture that Zechariah is upright in the sight of the Lord. He lives a good Christian life. That he observes God's commandments blamelessly that he's old and well advanced in years, and that he has not been able to have children. You gotta understand, for everybody, everybody, the number one desire you have once you enter into marriage is generally that one day you will have a child. And certainly in his culture, it was everything that one day he would have a child. He has not been able to have children. And the Bible says that when he is in the twilight years of his ministry career, that he goes into the temple to burn incense and to engage in the act of worship, chosen to go behind the veil into the very inner sanctum, the very, the very holy of holies, into the inner court of the presence of God. A very, very selective role, something that was marked and chosen and, and, and peculiar and special and really the pinnacle action of any priest was to, to carry out that task. He went in to the very holy of holies and when he gets there, there is another being already standing there, an angel by the name of Zechariah. And when Zechariah sees Gabriel, sorry, when Gabriel sees Ze when Zechariah sees Gabriel, Gabriel says to him, he says, "Do not be afraid. You're going to have a son." When he gives gives him that promise, "You're going to have a son," he's not telling him something that Zechariah doesn't desire. He is speaking to the central desire of Zechariah's heart. It is absolutely the core thing that Zechariah wants more than anything else in his life. Yet how surprising to read that Zechariah cannot receive the promise in his heart and in his soul. To have God literally say, what you want more than anything else, I'm going to give it to you. And he pushes back on the promise. He doubts it. He questions it. He is fearful at the thought of it. Fear is awakened as a response to a promise. How do you become afraid when you get a promise? If you've ever been given a promise, you can probably understand why. 
If your confidence is not deeply in God, if you have trust issues, if you're not certain in the one that you worship, then to have him promise you something that you desperately want means you're risking rejection, pain, heartache to open yourself up to the promise. And the Bible tells us about Zechariah, then rather than walking out of that room elated, he had to walk out of that room mute, unable to speak until John the Baptist was born into this world because he was so filled with doubt, fear, and confusion because God gave to him a promise. Wow. He asks a question. How can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? How can I find my way out of the mess and confusion to a point of clarity? How can I leave aside my doubts and my fears and find the place of faith? And I don't know about you, but I think that that's something that we all need. Because this is what I know about God. What God has for you in your life is greater than you've realized so far. I will never stop preaching till the day I die that as long as you have breath in your lungs, you haven't lived your greatest day yet. That God is always taking His people forward and further. I'm gonna need you to give me a hearty amen, but I don't believe we've seen the greatest churches in America yet. I don't think we've lived in the greatest revival yet. I don't think we've seen the greatest awakening yet. I don't think we've seen the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit yet. I think that when the enemy comes in like a flood, there God raises up a standard. I think God's got a plan for His people. God's got a plan for His church. But let me make it a little bit more personal. I think God's got a plan for you. I think any situation in your life that looks like a disaster now is just a story with chapters still yet to be written. I believe God makes everything work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His good purpose. Can you give me a little amen to that? I think God is gonna heal you. God's gonna prosper you. God's gonna restore you. God's gonna make your hearts Dreams come true. And if you believe that, shout yes in this room today. We need to get that confidence back, that boldness back, that assurity back, that certainty back. So Zechariah's question is appropriate for us. How can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? And in response to his question, Zechariah opens his mouth Sorry, Gabriel opens his mouth. And all we hear about Gabriel is given to us in verse 19. So little is said, yet such power is revealed. As Gabriel literally just opens his mouth and gives us three stanzas, he says, firstly, I am Gabriel. He said, I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you. I am Gabriel. 
I have identity. I stand in the presence of God. I have intimacy. And I have been sent to speak to you. I have authority. I have intimacy. I'm sorry, I have identity. I have intimacy and I have authority. And friends, in the time in which we live, these are three things desperately needed. He said, I am Gabriel. I have a clear identity. I know who I am. I know my purpose in life. I know what God has called me to be. I'm not cloudy. I'm not uncertain. Come on. In a culture which is trying to tell you that you're born into this world, but you don't even know what you were born. You don't even know who you are. I praise God for a Bible that tells me I am Gabriel. I am John. You are Sarah. You are Bob. That you have a calling and identity that you're purpose and chosen and that God knows who you are. That before you were even conceived, God had already written a plan for your life. I am Gabriel. I am Gabriel. I have identity. He said, I stand in the presence of God. He said, I have intimacy to stand, to stand. He said, he said my station in life is that I stand in the presence of God. This is worship. This is prayer. As an archangel, Gabriel would literally be part of the company that would be spending all of the ages of eternity lost in worship before the throne of God. The Bible says that powerful seraphim have been circling the throne of God, covered in eyes. Powerful, intelligent, celestial beings have been circling the throne of God for millennium of human history, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And they've never tired of their refrain, never desired a new song, never lost their awe and wonder. Such is the majesty of the one who sits upon that throne, our Jesus, our our Savior, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. If you love Him, could you just praise Him for one second? <laughs> to stand, to stand, to stand. It does not mean to stand that you stand to your feet, although I invite you to do that. It makes me pretty shorter, but, but to stand simply, you'll get it when you go home, but to stand literally means to linger, to worship, to adore, to focus one's gaze, to become intently aware of Jesus, to, to stop being distracted, to, to do something life-changing in this culture of distraction in which we live, to put away your cell phone, to just linger in the presence of God. He said, he said I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to you. I have identity, I have intimacy, and I have authority. But church, here's the key. Identity and authority are overflows of intimacy. Identity and authority are overflows of intimacy. The key to everything we learn about Gabriel is found in this one phrase. I stand in the presence of God. I stand in the presence of God. 
If there is one thing we need in the year 2023, it is a generation of believers who have not lost their ability to stand in the presence of God. In Zechariah, we find doubt and uncertainty and fear. Come on, can anybody say like me, there's never been a season of such doubt and uncertainty and fear in our culture. In Gabriel, though, we find confidence and surety and boldness. And Gabriel literally says to Zechariah, there is a reason why I am certain and you are doubting. And the reason is I stand in the presence of God. In this time in which we live, there is so much uncertainty, so much doubt about God, about what God wants us to be sure. So many questions, such a changing landscape of thought and opinion and position and strategy. And it can feel, church, can't it? Like we're trying to catch up and get clear and find our way there and get the strategy and find our way. And Gabriel gives us what I think might be the greatest key. He said, I stand in the presence of God. A lack of intimacy breeds uncertainty. A lack of intimacy breeds uncertainty. I don't think God wants you and I to live our lives uncertain and cloudy. God wants us to live our lives with surety, confidence, boldness, and direction. God is not the author of confusion. He doesn't come to our lives and make us fearful. Hello. When He comes to our lives, we get clear, we get sure, we get confident. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you start getting bold and unafraid and you rise above the fray and you live a life of courage and destiny and significance for God. And that's the life that God wants for every single one of us. He doesn't want us plagued by fear. He doesn't want us living with cloudiness in our minds. He doesn't want us being overwhelmed by confusion. And the key to finding the freedom that we need is to stand in the presence of God. See, it shouldn't be of any surprise. I don't think it is. Because we now live in a culture where we're being asked to align our thinking with what we know to be lies. When lies are being professed by a culture we bring an onslaught of the demonic. John, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible literally says this about the devil. He says he is the father of lies. That when the devil lies, he is speaking his own native language. His native language. The one who created lies is the devil. Now we live in a culture where lies are being literally forced to the mouths of people even though you know it's not true, you're being mandated to speak what you know is a lie in your heart. You're being said you must speak it. I know you're a man. I'm supposed to call you a woman. When we're forced to speak what we know is a lie, we are agreeing with the demonic. So what happens then? We increase the demonic in the culture in which we live. 
And whenever the devil occupies an environment, we find in that environment, fear firstly is going to be made manifest. Understand this, friends. There is no fear in God. There is no fear in God. God is love. Perfect love drives out all fear. The love of God drives the fear from us because fear only torments us. So when we allow the demonic to come in, fear comes, confusion comes, cloudiness comes, apprehension comes. We stop moving forward, boldness goes. That's why what we need more than ever in our culture is a generation who stand in the presence of God. Why? Because when you're in the presence of God, perfect love drives out all fear and we are filled instead with the love of God. Peace surpasses confusion and anxiety at the center of my thoughts. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of sound mind. So I am filled with love. I am filled with power. I'm filled with the sound mind. And my fear diminishes when I stand in the presence of God. Vision comes in the presence of God. Clarity comes in the presence of God. Boldness comes in the presence of God. That's why I believe with all my heart that we need a generation of men and women in our time who aren't just church-attending, box-ticking Christians, but we need a generation of worship, of wonder, of the Word of God, of memorization. We need men who are here at 5.30 a.m. prayer on a Tuesday. We need women who are here for the female prayer meeting. We need people that are present whenever the presence of God is being poured out so that we can stand in the presence of God to stand in the presence of God. It's how we're gonna break the waves of the enemy that are coming over our culture. It's how we're gonna find the purpose that we so desperately need. It's how we're gonna rise up into what God has for us is when we stand in the presence of God. We stand, we stand, we stand. See, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 18, literally God asks a question. Can you throw it up on the screen? In Jeremiah chapter 23, 18, God asks a question about the prophets. The entire chapter, Jeremiah 23, is God discussing his prophets. And he's literally saying about his prophets, he's saying, they run around all over the place and they're claiming to speak for me, but they have no message and because they have no message. Now you understand these are prophets. People are supposed to speak the word of God. I believe you had Pastor Rex Crane here the other day. That's a prophet of God right there. And they were supposed to be doing this, but they'd never, never, never received a message, but they just kept going anyway. So this is what God said in verse 18. He said, but which of them has stood? I stand in the counsel of the Lord, to see or to hear his word. Seeing came first, hearing came second. Because when God speaks, I see it. When God speaks, I see it. That's why he's the God of visions and dreams. You can, you'll catch that later. But which of them has stood? That word stood, literally in the Hebrew here, means to present yourself. 
It also means to take your watch. Remember when Jesus said, blessed is he whose master finds him waiting even in the second and third watch of the night? This word stood literally means I have a season. It was a four-hour watch. That's a long time. Hey, this is not about putting a mark of time next to anything. But it's about saying there is certainly a time where I will take my watch, where I'll put everything on flight mode. It might be 10 minutes because I've got preschool children. Five minutes can be a living miracle when you've got preschool children. <laughs> All the way through to a day that you take off into the countryside. But it means to present yourself. Here I am, God. I need you. Speak to me. Have your way in my life. What do you want to show me? What do you want me to hear? To see or to hear his word. This is what we need. Is a generation who know how to stand. To stand. I started preaching full-time when I was 19 years old. I had no mentors, no one to teach me. They gave me a list of high school Christian groups and youth groups in the North Island of New Zealand and said, here, go preach to these places. So three times, five times a week, I was preaching to youth groups. Now, these youth groups had 20 kids in them. Some of these high school Christian groups were only 15 kids. The largest had 80. That was a revival. The guy who ran it still a friend of mine. I'm in there preaching to these little groups, you know. They had no culture. It wasn't like everybody's yelling, amen, preach it. Instead, it was like eating your sandwiches while I'm preaching. I was so bad. <laughs> I started preaching full-time in April. I gave up preaching in August. I literally decided, God, this is not for me. I can't do it. I clearly am not talented at it. I lived under a cloud of heaviness for the next four months. Boxing Day, you have that in America, the day after Christmas Day, 26th of December. In the Commonwealth, we call that Boxing Day. On Boxing Day, I was sitting on a bunk bed next to a friend of mine, and he said to me, John, I feel like God wants you to go away by yourself and spend some time alone with him in prayer. And I looked at my scriptures, and the scripture that jumped off the page was, come away by yourselves and rest for a while. What Jesus said to his disciples after John the Baptist had been beheaded. I booked a little shack at the beach for nine days. Supposed to be 14, but I had enough after nine. I needed people in my life. <laughs> but for nine days, I took a Bible. I took some food. And that was it. I'd pray, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'd worship, sang every song I could think of. And then I'd just sit in a chair. And sitting in that chair, I'd just say his name. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. I had nothing else to do. Then suddenly, I'd get distracted from Jesus and I'd see myself. And in my mind, I was preaching on a large stage. It's a big auditorium, had a wraparound balcony, at least 2,000 seats. 
was preaching these messages. It wasn't just that I was preaching, it's that I knew how to. Like I had the phraseology, I had the timing, my voice was going up, down, I was engaging the people, reading the crowd, gave an altar call for salvation, hundreds of people came from all over this auditorium, words of knowledge, people getting healed, oh sorry God, sorry God, Jesus, Jesus, day two, same thing, Jesus, 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 preaching, great message, I felt like taking notes, oh sorry God, sorry God. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. Day three, it happened again. Day four, it happened again. It wasn't until the fifth day that I had this thought come into my mind. I'm giving all my thoughts to Jesus. Maybe Jesus is giving his thoughts to me. And over five days out of nine, God taught me how to preach. I came home, three weeks later, I got an invite to preach. I've been saying, no, 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 no. And a Baptist church about this size asked me to come preach. And I preached on a Friday night in a Baptist church. And within two minutes, people were jumping to their feet in a Baptist church to um, amen the, in a Baptist church to amen the preacher on a Friday night because God had taught me how to preach. I went from heavy and cloudy and depressed and giving up to alive and expectant and full of faith and ready to change the world. I've been doing this for 30 years ever since, never been into an auditorium I haven't now preached in, never been to a conference I haven't preached at. God has used that in the most amazing way. And I'm here to tell you the difference between the cloudy John and the clear John was that I stood in the presence of God. I'm here to speak to somebody in this auditorium that's been lied to by hell, ripped off by the world, discouraged on your dreams, defeated in your fight of faith, feeling overwhelmed by the onslaught of the enemy. I'm here to tell you, you're a victor, you're a conqueror. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God has an abundant plan for your life and God's gonna break the shackles of fear, deliver you out of your bondage, put a fire back in your soul and use you to change the world. If you believe it, stand to your feet and give God some praise in this room today. He's going to use awakened church to change America. He's going to use you to change your community. God's got a purpose for you. God's got a plan for your life. And we're going to break the lies of the enemy and step into God's purpose. And the key Say it with me. I stand in the presence of God. Lift your hands all over this auditorium. Say it out loud with me. One, two, three. I stand in the presence of God. Focus your thoughts on Him. Say it again. I stand in the presence of God. One more time. I stand in the presence. Now come Holy Spirit. Fall in this room right now. The manifest power of God has literally begun to walk through these aisles. The glory of God is falling here. Hearts are being set free. Hearts are being set free. Joy is coming. Freedom is coming. 
Life is coming. Deliverance is coming. Identity is coming. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The greatest spirit at work in the, in the earth today that I can see is the spirit of fear, the fear of man, the fear of man. And if you're here in this auditorium and right now you've been struggling with fear, I'm gonna pray over your life. If that's you, just lift your hands towards heaven. Lots of people, come on, lift them high towards heaven. Believe that something's gonna get broken off of you today as you stand in the presence of God. Father, right now, all over this auditorium, I take authority over every spirit of fear that has tried to intimidate your people, over every spirit of fear that has tried to hold your people back, over the cloudiness, over the desire to try to live safe when they know they should be bold. And God, in the name of Jesus, we bind the work of the enemy in this auditorium right now. I declare over your people the, the confidence of Gabriel, the surety of God's people. I declare Second Timothy over them. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. And I declare the rising of truth in their lives right now, in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Holy Spirit. 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 There are people in this room believing for miracles. And I, I believe there are some people here who are believing for miracles, not for you, but for your children. Your children. And if you're here today and you're believing for a miracle, lift your hands towards heaven. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Houses are on their way. Healings are on their way. Deliverance is on their way. I speak to drug addiction and I declare it broken, 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 broken in the name of Jesus. Devil, get your hands off our children. I declare it now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I pray for physical bodies to be healed, supernaturally healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Let people find, find healing. I declare miracles, 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 miracles in this room right now. Eyesight restored, pain to leave bodies, pain to leave bodies in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. Transformations, transformations. I thank you, God, that you are here right now. Church, just take a moment, just take a moment. We stand in the presence of God. God's gonna give a word to at least 50 people here. He's putting a promise in your heart. You're seeing something now. In your mind's eye, you just see it. That could be the Lord speaking to you. You hear the Lord's voice. In lieu of even His voice, there are people who are just feeling His peace. Like heaven is just literally saying over you, I got you, I got you, I got you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your freedom. While every head is bowed, while every eye is closed, there are people that have come to the service today and right now you're not in right relationship with Jesus. You come to church today, but you know you're not walking with God. You're not a Christian. 
If that's you, my friend, wherever you are in this auditorium, I'd love to pray a prayer with you. And if you pray this prayer with me, today could be the day where you discover what it is to have Jesus at the center of your life. All over this room, many people are saying, John, that's me. I've come to church today, but I'm not walking with Jesus. I'm not connected to God. I'm not a Christian. I've been a church person, but Jesus is not at the center of my life. Perhaps you're saying, I've got no idea whether I'm a Christian or not. If that's you, my friend, I would love to lead you in a prayer. And if you pray this prayer with me, today could be the day where you discover what it is to know Jesus personally. All over this room, many people are saying, John, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, I'm just gonna ask you in one moment to take one hand and to lift it high in the air. I'll see your hand, then you can put it back down. Once every hand is lifted, we're gonna pray this prayer together. But many people in this room are saying, John, you're talking to me. I'm in this auditorium, but I'm not right with Jesus. I want you to lift your hand. I'm not walking with God. I want you to lift your hand. I've been a church person, but Jesus is not at the center of my life. I want you to lift a hand. I've been a church person, but sorry, I'm not sure whether I'm a Christian or not. I want you to lift a hand. Once every hand is lifted, we're gonna pray this prayer together. But all over the room, there are many people saying, that's me, I need Jesus in my life. If you're in any of the categories I just mentioned, take one hand and lift it high in the air right now. Lift it all the way up, all the way up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep your hand lifted all the way. Thank you. Down the back, thank you. Down the back. Others, I need Jesus today, John. Wow, so many, so many, so many. Yep, God bless you. Another hand over there. Let's pray this prayer together out loud. Everybody say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I'm lost without you. I ask you, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. I thank you, Jesus. When you died on the cross, you died for me. You love me. You accept me. You forgive me. Amen and amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.